almost everybody who is thinking actively about how they want to live is somewhat entrepreneurial because you're already trying to make something completely new anyway. Uh, you're trying to do it your own way. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of Selling with Love. And what I'm doing today is bringing you a friend, a mentor, and a business partner who has been with me to support me through a lot of the business changes that has happened over the years. If you've been a longtime listener of Selling with Love, you might have noticed we had a name change that happened a few years ago because originally this podcast was known as Superhumans at Work. And what you might not realize is behind the scenes, I've always had a mentor, someone to support me, to help me make some big decisions, which speak mostly around direction, alignment, and making sure that the efforts that I'm putting into building an asset or a business or a revenue stream is actually in line of the type of life and business I even want to create. And this is one of the reasons I usually bring Ezekiel on. He's been an executive at a company called Mind Valley, where we worked alongside each other, responsible for major developments on the tech side, major development major development on the operation sides, as well as the HR side. For those of you who might be fans of Vishen Lakiani, he was the private mentor for Vishen, giving him guidance on strategically guiding the business as well. He works with organizations and aligns their leadership team. He works with individuals and understands that we have to find alignment with ourselves as well. And what we want to discuss today is a phenomenon that's happening on the internet it's not a new thing, but it seems to be accelerating where there is a sense of overwhelm. Where do we focus our energy? What kind of business should we be building? And is it coming from us or from the outside? It's with my great pleasure. I have Ezekiel joining me again on the show. Welcome back, Ezekiel. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back here. <laughs> it is. And I feel like it's a necessary touch point. You know, I've been personally going through some big shifts again in the way that I'm operating. And I'm always usually looking to you for counsel. And you have a lot of your roots when it comes to the corporate side, but I know you also speak of methods that are a bit more esoteric, spiritual, you could almost say astrologic. And so I'd be curious to know from your perspective, the fact that I'm feeling this need to change, is this something that you are noticing as a trend amongst many clients? Or is this just a phenomenon that's exclusive to only a few? I would say it's mostly it's a common thread right now amongst anybody who is on the track to answering the question, how do I want to live my life? And anybody who is not on the sleepwalking train of just following along what everybody else is doing. You could say that we're currently in an inflection point. We're like in the middle of two very big rifts in periods of human history right now when it comes to I would say like the consciousness of humanity, like we're coming from a period where it was all about like doing more, making more progress, kind of being part of a massive engine of trying to move things in a certain direction. And now we've gone beyond that. We're going through a period now of bringing out a person's individuality in terms of how they live. So that translates to a lot of people's choices. And those choices will translate into answering the question. Well, everybody's doing all of these things. What should I be doing? 
And it doesn't help that there's a lot more information going out there because suddenly you've democratized information everywhere. So you can see what everybody else is doing. Before, we only knew what our community in our little villages was doing. Now you can switch on your phone and you can see what everybody is doing. And you're always left with the question, if they're doing that, then what about me? And we're in that period right now where everybody is at the peak of playing around with the idea of what am I doing? What am I doing in relation to all of these other people in this world? So yeah, it is a fairly common thing, whether it be with my entrepreneur clients or the students that I have who are working on their self-identity. It's all the same period. The level of intensity is actually so insane right now that I have to catch myself as well to make sure that I don't drown in all of these two. Yeah. There's this phenomenon of, as you say, observing what a lot of other people are doing. And not only can you just observe and start assuming that maybe I should be doing something similar to what they're doing, but there's also so many people that are particularly targeting you and telling you that you should follow their specific method. Is that the recommended way to find what you should be doing is trying to find examples and others and see what works for you? Or is there a very different way we should approach this? I think that it's a loaded question and I prefer to look at it. I mean, if you asked me this one and a half years ago, I would have probably told you something else. (laughs) But now I'm at a point where I start looking at people as children growing up. Even though we're an adult body, the way we operate and the way we think might not be in a correct correspondence to our physical age. We see these people who are much older than us, and you can see that, man, these people really know what they're doing. Like, they know what they want, and they're doing it. They're living the lives like that. That's what I consider adult. The people who are running around, chasing around, constantly wondering, what am I doing? And kind of fairly hedonistic thrill seekers, even if they're in their 40s or 50s, they're not really adults yet from a consciousness standpoint, because they haven't chosen their path. Now, the thing with today's world that you're talking about is that, imagine this, everybody suddenly has a microphone. And everybody who's done something that has made them money is talking on that microphone saying, this is what I did. Because the more they talk about this is what I did, it also brings them more money. So they're actually financially incentivized to preach about their own process. But what they're not talking about is that 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 process only worked for you because it's you. You're a combination of your behavioral patterns, your traumas, your motivations, your dreams, your education, and your personality. And that's why those methods work for you. But nobody wants to say that publicly because if they say that, it's basically saying, I did this, it's cool, might not work for you, you're going to have to figure yourself out. Very unsexy (laughs) in social media. (laughs) Whereas the real answer is, I need to dig down here and figure out what am I good at? What am I motivated by? What are the ways that I can gift in the world? And can I freaking use that in the world to generate give value to people and maybe I can look around and ask okay I have this problem on social media has anybody done that 
I have this problem with legal and lawyers. Does anybody have that? You can get reference for the tools that people are using, but you cannot copy their direction. But everybody else online, especially, they're saying that I figured out, if somebody sells you a book and it's supposed to give them more money or it's leading to more, they're trying to lead you to more money, I probably will not read that because I know that that is highly specific to them. So that's kind of where it is right now. And more and more people are trying to be entrepreneurs, just saying like, I'm just going to copy what this guy is doing and say, no, it's not going to work for you in the long run. It's interesting because there's a relief that we're looking for. It seems like whenever I'm seeing someone is doing something right, there's like this constant anxiety and self-doubt that, oh my God, is what I'm doing the right thing that I'm doing? And if only somebody could show up and just tell me, this is what you can do. The moment someone on social media preaches with that level of confidence, which again, they're incentivized to preach with that level of confidence, then you're automatically drawn like moth to the flame because you're like, thank you for saving me from the pain and the anxiety of indecision. And somebody that speaks with confidence can just take my hand and tell me, do it this way. Yeah, I mean, that's really the point, right? It's like, you're telling me that you want to learn how to live your own life, and yet you're on social media asking for somebody to validate your life choices, whereas they have no business validating your life choices because they're not you. Ooh. It's kind of weird, but we do that all the time because we're all craving for that. Somebody to tell us, you're doing all right. You're doing the right thing. It's like, yeah. So hold on, Ezekiel, because right now what happens is you're saying this, and I'm like, oh, I just had the wrong person to listen to. Ezekiel, tell me the way to do it. Which exactly, it's like, which is why like, no, like you don't do that. <laughs> you really don't do that. I would say that the real adults, I think in the entrepreneurial world, actually the way I look at it now, almost everybody who is thinking actively about how they want to live is somewhat entrepreneurial because you're already trying to make something completely new anyway. Uh, you're trying to do it your own way. The only time you should be listening to somebody tell you what to do is if you can specifically ask them, hey, I'm trying to do this with my business and I have this specific problem with this specific tool with what I'm trying to do. How would you solve that for me? Then you can listen to somebody's experience. But the moment it starts delving into decision making of the direction of my business or direction of my life. Oh God, no, you do not want to outsource that to anybody. It's so fascinating what you're saying because, you know, we've worked with some mutual client that we actually at least did some service, which I'll keep anonymous for now. But I remember the key thing that we would do is actually try to understand the essence of the founder as the core thing, the core values of the organization. And where do they even want to steer that ship? Because, you know, for me, when I come into an organization, I can definitely find the right partners, bring the right people and go and solve the tactical problems. But I need to have an understanding of where they want to drive the ship. And that has to come from the founder. So I wanted to ask you as an individual, regardless if you have 500 employees or maybe you're just starting out, what are the key questions that you should be looking within yourself so that you understand the kind of business you should even be building? The primary question is going to be, how is this business serving my vision of my life? And that is the number one question because a lot of founders or entrepreneurs 
end up a point wherein they're like subservient to their business. Like they're a slave to their business direction. It's like, no, it's not the other way around. Business is a vehicle for you to be able to accomplish whatever life purpose or mission you have. And that also translates to the lifestyle that you want. So if your business is not serving you and you're not choosing a business model and you're not choosing a nature of business and you're not choosing a product or you're not choosing a problem direction that is serving your life purpose, you will always feel like you are chasing after your business. And it will always be your boss and not you as the boss of your business. And that is where the shit really happens for a lot of entrepreneurs. When they're the ones chasing after their business and they'd be like, oh my God, this, this business owns me and not the other way around. So that is a primary question. I'm reminded of another client we were working with together here in Bali. What usually happens for those of you listening is people come to me with sales problems, right? I'm the guy who wrote about selling with love. I speak about how selling with love solves a lot of your problems. And so people come to me and they're like, please solve my sales problem. I'm trying to make more money with this business. And what often happens is I listen to them and I say, great, I think I have an idea that's going to solve your sales problem. And I usually connect them with Ezekiel. And then within the first 30 minutes, we realize that there's actually an alignment problem. And if they would just come and listen to my advice with the current model that they have, they would accelerate the anxiety, accelerate the disalignment and accelerate the dissatisfaction because we're scaling for a business that nobody even wants. And so in that pursuit of those answers, for anybody who's listening in, what's our steps here? What do we start doing to do better? I think the first part there is really to ask, okay, why did I start this business? And when I started this business, what was the problem in my life or what was the state of my life or my problem that I was trying to solve when I started this business? And number two, what am I bringing in terms of who I am here? Like, what am I good at? Like, what am I good at? What are the skills that I currently have? And more importantly, I think this is the ugly question. What is something that I do naturally that I am good at, or rather I can keep doing all day long and I'm not going to get tired of doing as a way to deliver this value? And once you know those two things, you pretty much have an idea of, well, I already know what kind of service or product I am making right away. And the only thing you need to do is sell at that point. But even answering those two questions for one person is difficult. It's like, there's so many people telling me that you should come up with a physical product. You should write a book or you should do this. But we all know that the best work that I do is when I'm in someone's space, digging into their own business model and digging into their soul and say, we're going to be talking about this for the next two to three days until you figure this shit out. Like that's the best work that I do. And then writing about it separately. So I cannot be a technology person inventor or rather I can be, but it's just not going to be me. If I really wanted to go in that direction, then at least I know that I need to find somebody who is like that, who can pair with me. And that's the problem with like the client that we were helping out the other time. 
those two questions in terms of what problem they wanted to solve and what is the innate gifts that they were bringing to the table among those founders were not clear. So they all wanted to take the business in different directions with very different products and models. And it was like pulling the business into like three or four different directions. And that's why they couldn't move forward. That I would say is the answer to that. Granted that you are not just doing business for the sake of, I just want to make a lot of money and then sell this thing that I don't care. That's valid too. But we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> it's funny you say it's valid too, because you might realize that that is the answer to your question of what you want to do is I just want to roll my sleeve, make an F ton of money, and I'm ready to just pay the price for that. And I will sacrifice everything to do it. And that's just my purpose now. And it's again, as you said, I could come in and be like, no, you have to be focused on impact. But actually, it's your choice. I mean, whatever it is you decide is you. And so I think that there is some validity to whatever it is you decide, as long as it seems like it's coming from you. And you know what I found most interesting with that client we worked with is that they were seeing a motivation gap within their team, a ripple effect. And they were like, how do I motivate my team? And we realized that the root cause was because there was lack of alignment with them. And so people could sense that, could feel that. And you know how I speak about sales and sales being an energy exchange. And when you're not in alignment, you're not selling. But when you are in alignment, oh, that's when the magic happens. Yeah, their problem was like, your team is not motivated because the three of you are not motivated. None of you are excited about running this business right now. If none of you are excited about running this business, how do you expect the people in your team to be excited about something that you guys are loathing to show up for every single day? It makes no sense. And it sounds obvious, but it's not. <laughs> so it's almost like I've changed my perspective on business. I used to have a bit more save the world kind of idea when it comes to entrepreneurship. But now I realize that, no, no, no. You have to be completely selfish in a good way if you really want to create a good business. Because you need to be super excited and invested in what the business is doing and what you're doing inside it for it to perform. And the only way to do that is I need to be not lying to myself in terms of why I'm in this business and what kind of activities I'm doing. It's like my role in this business has to be one that lights me up because if it's not, it's going to tank because if I'm not in a good state, this business is not in a good state. Mm. It's funny because I know in the middle of this podcast, what you might not know as you're listening to this is that we do have a Selling with Love membership and we're running an experiment right now where people can actually experience the membership for absolutely free by signing up to a trial. So simply go to access.sellingwithlove.com and you'll be able to tune into some of these live conversations and even ask your questions. For example, we have one of our members, Brooke, was asking about the fact that, well, what about when I have more than one thing that I'm good at? Is it okay or do I need to get more specific? And I think I have a thing I would love to share is like, even the fact that you're asking that advice externally, I think kind of breaks the model that you're speaking about is like, whatever we say, can't answer it for an individual. Is that correct? Yeah, you can't, you can't answer it. Look, you're in this life only once. You're going to have to find a way to scratch all of those itches that make you feel whole as an individual. Not everybody, here's the, here's, here's the paradox, not everybody is meant to just do one thing in this world and be fulfilled. 
No. Everybody talks about this, but find your one thing, your one thing, your one. There is no one thing. You are a multifaceted individual. And that is something that I think a lot of people need to hear that you don't have to spend your entire life trying to find a business that is like, this is my one thing. No, it's not. You're a parent, you're a friend, you're a partner, you're a musician, you're an artist who happens to also have a business. Like maybe two or three. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) And that's the only way. (laughs) It's very much of a sobering conversation because again, if you go online and you go to one stream of thoughts, it's like somebody saying, you got to focus on one thing, one product, one channel, one niche, all of that. And then you go listen to somebody else and it's like, you got to have multiple streams of income. And then you're just stuck and paralyzed. But again, it's coming back to those questions on what is aligned to you. And there was a quote, oh my God, what a... Sometimes things happen very serendipitously. I'm in an office. It's kind of like a WeWork. They were doing a treasure hunt today and they left a quote somewhere. And it happened to be a quote by Seth Godin, which by the way, if anybody's connected to Seth Godin, he is the person I followed up with the most and has not come on my podcast yet. So I do want to see a nudge. If somebody has a connection and you want to bring him in, I would love to interview him because I have a lot of respect for him. Nonetheless, it was a quote by him that I went on the treasure hunt and I found it. And it was actually the fact that the cost of inaction is higher than being wrong on any action. Do you have any opinion on that quote? I would say that thinking is not inaction. Resting is not inaction. And I'm saying that as an athlete. Like, look, what what am I doing right now? I'm sleeping the whole time. Resting is not inaction. And sometimes sitting down and thinking about what you just experienced to navigate is not inaction. So that's the only thing that I would caution people towards. That you feel like you need to be moving and doing stuff all the time, no, please don't. Because you never, if you don't navigate regularly, like checkpoint of what's going on in you and where you still want to live your life and where your business needs to go, you might be running 60 miles per hour in one direction only to find out that after six months, you definitely did not want to be going in that direction anymore. I'd say inaction is when you go into zombie mode. Zombie mode is when you are just doing stuff and it is no longer intentional. It's you're just going through the motions every single day in your business. And you're just like, I'm just showing up today. I don't even really care about this. I haven't thought about this. It's very numbing. When you're in that numb state where you're not deciding actively what's going on in your life, that is inaction, in my opinion. Would you say that has a parallel to the big movement that happened? I think it was last year. Everybody was talking about quiet quitting. Is that an example of what it looks like when you're in inaction? I would say that when you're checked out, and I'm not sure if quiet quitting fits in that mode, but when you're like just checked out of anything that you're doing and you don't feel like you're plugged into the driver's seat of your life, that is already inaction for me. I think that is pretty bad. Because the more, the longer time you spend in that unplugged zombie state, you're basically wasting your life when you're doing that. that. I wanted to elaborate on one of the things you talked about that we need to reflect on. And it's this concept of thing that you are good at. And 
interestingly enough, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who was a part of the program. And you know, I had the sense that I wanted to always do more for my members. And what happened is she was up for a renewal on her membership. We had a short conversation and she was telling me about all the transformation she had throughout the year by being in the program. And I said, by the way, you know, I know your renewal is due in seven days, but I want to let you know you will not be charged because I'm letting a lot of people experience this new membership platform and you won't need to pay for it. And the reason I was doing that is because obviously I'm making a lot of changes and I want to make sure that I'm always offering more value than what I ask in return. And there was a moment where she's like, oh, well, I was looking forward to pay it because I got so much value out of being in this program that I was just excited to renew the membership. And of course, as part of me is like, oh, damn, did I just miss an opportunity? But I knew there was an alignment thing going on. But the reason I bring this up is because sometimes you don't realize what you're actually good at and what value it provides for others. What are some of the things you can do to kind of hone in on understanding what is it that I'm actually good at that might be worth thinking about or taking action on? I think that maybe the idea of saying what you're good at, I think that might be the wrong thing to say now that I'm thinking about it. Because being good at something is competency and competency only comes after extensive deliberate practice and experience, right? But I think that what people shouldn't be kind of be zoning in more is what are things that nature of things that I like to do that I don't get tired of doing. If you make me sit on a spreadsheet, I think I would only have two hours and then I wouldn't check up. If you make me do this, like what we're doing for two days straight, I would not really get tired. Am I good at it? That's highly subjective. That means practice. So I'm looking at people and saying, hey, find something that in all honesty, that is something that you would not get tired of doing. And you're willing to exert the effort, the time, spend for the learning, spend for the right teachers to get really competent at that thing. And then you have something. Because now you have an insatiable amount of energy that you've also built into a competency. I think that might be a more appropriate answer to that question. But that starts with accepting first that you should be letting go of a lot of things that you think are cool. Like, for example, everybody online is like, oh, you should learn copywriting, or you should learn this, or you should learn to be a coder. Or whatever. No, 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 no. High ticket closers, come on. <laughs> High ticket. Yeah, that's what they're doing, right? They're teaching you learn this skill. And my thought pattern now is like, I've seen enough people to see that that's actually a terrible idea. It didn't help them. I think you should understand what they're doing, but you should zone in on what you can be good at better than everybody else because you will always have the energy to do it. Mm. The idea that, hey, Jason, you can talk and zone in on companies' processes for a whole day and not get tired. That means there is no way for me to get better at you at that <laughs> over time because you will not get tired learning about it. Even if I have that background and you don't because you are obsessed with it and I am not. It's so funny because you know I have my partner actually is the one who's reinforcing healthy boundaries in my work-life balance. If I didn't have my romantic partner, which I do prioritize, so I want to spend time with her, quality time with her. And so that is what gets me out of the office. But like, I'm excited when I wake up. 
I want to see the messages of what's going on. I want to get data and optimize and create. And then like, for example, today is a Wednesday and I have a night shift. So I have one day a week that I do night shift. I work till midnight and I start at 7 a.m. And I get home and I have a smile and I'm excited, you know? And so when you speak about this thing that gives you energy, this has been a big shift that happened to me in July. And you know, when I spoke about a lot of the things I'm shifting in my organization is when I started finding the things and tuning into that, I started having revenue opportunities come in so much faster, so much quicker. And then I was realizing how much value I can deliver because I'm excited about it, as opposed to, what do they call it? Pulling teeth to get things done. Yeah. But you know, I have to say that I'm also very humbled by this right now because I mean, you know my background and I'm the person who gets who gets competent at almost anything that I put my mind into, super multifaceted from technology to everything else. But I had to accept to see that, you know what, just because I can do these things doesn't mean I should. And I have to accept that some of the things that I think and I logically know in my mind, if I get good at those skills, I'm going to make more money. And then I have to look at that and say, no, not for me, not for me, not for me, not for me, not for me. And you just have to like shut your eyes off from everybody that's yelling at you on social media and all these entrepreneur masterminds and just shut it. And then you realize, what the heck can I do repeatedly all day long that I'm not going to get tired? sit with the CEO and guide them through an entire process of figuring out their business and who they are at the same time. I was like, I have to accept that this is a big part of me and I, I have to accept pride and say, let go of all the other stuff that I've done, even though you know that those might be more lucrative. And that's where you're talking about. It's like the best choice for you might not be the most lucrative from a business standpoint. And that's something to accept that maybe I'm not the person who's meant to be so scalable given my talents. I might have to swallow my pride and say, I might have to do this with somebody else. And that's just the roll of the dice. I think that there's this unfair and overly dramatic hate around employment where it's like, you got to be an entrepreneur or nothing else matters. And there is truth if you're trying to have control of your income and you want to seize opportunities. But the vehicle of entrepreneurship does have demands of certain activities that need to be done, particularly if you can't get the initial funding. And even that is a segment of understanding sales, understanding marketing, because those will be foundational to get a business going. And I think that for a lot of people, especially, you know, I do my best. I'm trying to help a lot of people get over sales blocks that can be overcome. And for that, if you're willing to go and develop that because you really want to build the business vehicle, which is entrepreneurship, you'll need those skills. And I'm doing my best to help as many people cross that line. But for some, it's just not something that they plan to overcome, want to overcome. And yes, you could look into maybe partnering with someone. And I think that's often underrated. But there's also the path of employment. And when you get to find a type of employment that allows you to check off those two boxes, there are some far more lucrative ways to be able to feel happy, aligned, and quite frankly, less stressed. 
Yeah, I noticed that that's actually what I'm teaching a lot of people more so now when they come over and say, I want to figure out what kind of business I want to do. I was like, after talking to them, you should not be a business owner. Like it will drain you and it will kill you. And entrepreneurship and business ownership are not exactly the same thing. I could be a solo entrepreneur, but if you're like a business owner and you have like employees and all the legal administrative related things, all the legal stuff, that's a different skill set altogether. But solo entrepreneurial can also mean like this kid was asking me the other day, if I just wanted to make the most amount of money as a 25 or 26 year old and she's a teacher, how would she do it? And she would have control over her life. I was like, here's what you could do. You get part-time employed as a part-time lecturer in three or four different universities in the Philippines. That way you don't have the issues of exclusivity of contract. You don't have to worry about clocking in, clocking out hours. You have control over that schedule and you only teach the lectures that you are interested in. So you have control over that time schedule. And then you can do other things on the side, such as like your retail stuff. She's also a musician that has like evening gigs at night. She is currently making five times more than the average full-time employed teacher in university who's like 10 years older than her. And I'm looking at it like, and you did that in six months. See, you are not really a business owner. You're just being savvy about playing the system that we currently have. And I would say that for people. Don't start a business if you are not really interested in doing that. Find other ways to use your gifts to be partially employed or whatever kind of combination that can be, and you will make a lot of hard cash very quickly. I wish I did that when I was younger. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of things you could go back and realize how best you're at it. So I think of the times that I've thrived within my own career. And it's when I get to have a whole lot of autonomy within an existing organization. And then I get to innovate, deploy, and move fast within a vehicle that has existing assets. And now it's so funny because I do have an understanding of entrepreneurship and I do have an enjoyment for it. But what I've realized as far as my offer is offering myself in fractional employment positions as a interim CEO And so I've kind of created my own job inside multiple organizations to do something that's very similar to your case study in the Philippines. And I've never been happier. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they think about what I do as like getting to know a CEO or a founder and getting to know their business super well, all the way to like very personal things and helping them steer and design that direction wise and helping them make decisions. For a lot of people, it's like, That is too much authority and too much responsibility and influence on one person in one business. How can you do that and not feel scared about what you're doing? I was like, easy, I don't. It's like, I can do that for 10, 15, 20 different businesses at the same time because it just gives me that, it's like a high for me to be in that degree of responsibility and guiding and learning as well about different business models and different industries. It's like, you'd have to stop me from doing this. <laughs> and that's not for everybody. And you know what? I actually really hated what I'm doing right now because I really judged it for a while. Because mm. we are so used to 
judging it from like my old like a C level in Wine Valley and all that stuff, I would say I'm loyal to one organization and all that other stuff. Man, I had to I had to sit with my conscience for a while. <laughs> and this journey, and I hope for everybody listening in, is that you know we're not sharing this or at least from my perspective, I'm not sharing this as somebody who's figured it all out. There's so many things I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm figuring out. And I'm so excited the fact that I can find people that are aligned with me, that can guide me. And Ezekiel, I mean, you've been instrumental in kind of helping me not bestow answers on me, but allow me to re-question what's happening so I can find that alignment a lot more myself. And I want to present that as an invitation for anybody who's listening in. If you join into our community, you're going to have a space where you can ask some questions. And I'm going to be bringing a council of mentors and teachers that are part of this ecosystem that can help provide answers for anybody who wants to go into a journey of this specific topic. We're going to make people like Ezekiel accessible to you. And you know, one of the key things I remember discovering is I myself don't see myself as a star. And that's why I've always been great at doing interviews or emceeing conferences is I'm so good at shining the light on the people that do such amazing things that people might not have discovered yet. And I would say you're one of these people. And I'm so excited that we get to work together and we get to do the things that we do. And for everybody else tuning in, I'm going to invite you to come to the community and ask your questions, see how this episode resonated with you. What are some of the biggest learnings you've had? And you can even come and ask your questions and we'll make sure to guide you and connect you with the right team of people that can make sure that you're not only selling with love, but of course, you're living your entire life with alignment, which is something I ask everybody who comes on the show, Ezekiel, as I wrap this up. What does selling with love mean to you? Selling with love to me now? Oh my God, I had a different answer last year. Selling with love to me is being able to live fully in yourself and only then you can share that value with other people. Ooh, that is a first. That is deep. And that is awesome. I don't want to share with you something that is not me. <laughs> That brings in the authenticity. Ezekiel, thank you so much for this fascinating conversation. It was such a pleasure. I think for a lot of people tuning in, they're going to have a bit of a mind-blown moment, but that's usually what happens after we have a conversation. So I'm glad we got others to peek into that. Once again, I just want to make the powerful call to everybody. We are running the opportunity for anybody who wants to access more of the conversation and continue this access. So A-C-C-E-S-S dot sellingwithlove.com You'll be able to create an account on the community, introduce yourself, see the other peers that are aligned with at least the values of Selling with Love. You'll be able to ask some questions, connect with others, and we look forward to seeing you there. And of course, thanks for listening in and keep selling with love. And of course, take the time to find yourself too. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.